0: Well, good, morning. good morning. Good morning. It is good to see everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, it's been a couple years since we've been able to be here. Uh, Vanessa and I are really excited to be with you all. It feels like every time we come here, we're coming home. And I mean that. So thank you. Thank you for loving us well. Thank you for loving the country that we love really well and for all that you've done. You've been incredible partners. This time, I got to admit, when I flew in, it's a little different than when I normally come here. Uh, there's, this is a different place. Uh, normally when I've come here, there's been snow almost so high, the one time you couldn't see out the windows in the front, most of the time it's at least eyesight. Uh, but this time flying in, well, let me back up. The one time I went uh, fishing, I loved to fish. I would never ice fished. And the, somebody said, hey, you want to go fishing? I said, sure. We drove on the ice. Uh, and then it was heated. All bad ideas in my brain, but I'm here today, <laughs> and we caught fish. But uh, when, when I flew in this time, it was fun to look out and see what normally was frozen ice. Now there's boats on the water, and then coming to church here and seeing green grass and mulch and flowers, and then standing outside today, and then to cap it all off, last night we were going to our hotel, and we looked over, and you, this just shows you what we've missed is at i think it's cup and cone are you familiar <laughs> with cup and cone yeah cup and cone uh we drive by cup and cone and there is a line so long i'm like they love their ice cream here just another thing we have in common but i just want to say thank you thank you for partnering with us uh, especially in the, in the village of susmatla you all have made uh, just a crazy impact in that village uh, so today i thought As we're family, I just want to start off with with sharing with you since it's been two years what God's been doing, what he's been up to in the last two years and some of the things that we just want to praise God for. This is because of y'all's partnership with us, we're able to do these things, the team there in Mission of Hope is. So let me start. In education, many of you have sponsored children here. We have over 13,000 children that are in our education system today. That's 13,000 kids that will hear the gospel and they will have a chance to make many of them be the first time to graduate high school in their lives. So it's amazing what God is doing through education. Secondly, nutrition. Nutrition. It started with a peanut grinder in 1998. Today uh, we're feeding 113,000 children across the country every day. Uh, it's amazing, and we couldn't do it without, with you, without you all. You guys are, are going after a goal to raise hope and feed kids, and we just want to say thank you for doing that. That's what makes this possible, that 113,000. Right now, we have 150,000 kids on a waiting list, that their mamas are praying that someday they'll be able to get that same nutritious meal. So we're still driving and fighting for those kids, just like the 113,000 kids. Medically, this past year, we saw over 79,000 people that were served through our medical ministries. We have over a 1,000 pastors that are being trained throughout the country. Our tech school, last time I was here, was just launching. We just started this idea of having a tech school. Every year, kids would come to us from graduation, high school, and say to us, hey, how, how, what's next? What do we do now? And the tech school is our first step moving towards a university here in a few years. Tech school today has over 575 students in it. Uh, and we have a waiting list to get in now. The skills that we offer are electrical, plumbing, HVAC, and welding. We have diesel mechanics. We have small engine mechanics. And we also have, we partner with Cisco for IT. And so our kids are coming out Cisco certified. The crazy thing about what God's doing through the technical school is 50%, I I, want to say it again, 50% of our students are getting hired when they come out. Now, in the United States, we think, okay, that's not good. In Haiti, 80% of the people are unemployed. So they're coming out, and 50% of them are getting jobs. The rest of them are creating jobs because they're entrepreneurs. So God's really using the technical school. We're blessed by it. In the next year or two, we'll see that double. We're, built, we're doubling the space just because of the demand. And we believe that if Haiti's going to change, it's going to happen in two ways. It's going to be through a relationship with Jesus and great education. So we're excited about what God's doing there. Uh, our sports complex, we have shared many times here about having a sports complex. Uh, we're very blessed to have partnered with a, I won't say young man, but he is a young man to me. Um, from from the north up here, a few states over, Carson Wentz, um, him and his wife. His wife was one of our interns. Carson's the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, now was with the Eagles. Um, they, their foundation has helped us build a sports complex. The sports complex is to reach out to the youth of Haiti. And right now we have two basketball courts that are undercover, and they have a t- sport court on them. But the big news is we just finished last month our turf field, our first turf field. And this is FIFA regulated. It's the size that it's supposed to be. And you can only imagine kids that have played their whole life. Now, soccer is the sport in Haiti. That's what they play. And their whole life they've walked onto what they would call a soccer field. And the soccer field was rocks, maybe a blade or two of grass. And they would take chalk and outline it. Many times their goals were just rocks. That's where they hit through. Now they walk onto a turf field, green, with lines, with goals, like they've seen on TV or like the pros have played on. It's amazing what God's doing through the sports ministry. So we're really excited about that. We have over 400 full time Haitian staff that are doing incredible. This past year, even through COVID, we didn't have one American in Haiti, not one, for almost a year. And they grew the ministry. They led at such a high capacity. Our goal was this past year to impact a million people for Christ in Haiti. We did that, but we even did more than that, because of this team. We impacted over two million people in Haiti for Christ last year, because of that. Amen. So yeah So God continues to grow his work in Haiti through partners like y'all. We've now we're now in the Dominican Republic. Uh, so we have a mission of hope in the Dominican Republic. What I didn't know until we got there, there's two million Haitians in the DR. So we're ministering to the Haitians of the DR. And also True North, our relief ship is now in Key West. And we were just down there last past week. In Key West, we were working with the Haitian churches there. There's many Haitians there. So Mission of Hope is evolving to follow the footsteps of Haiti. Where the Haitians go, we go to minister to the Haitians and to the people that are around them. So Thank you for partnering with us. God's moving, and it's because of your faithfulness and many others and your prayers that we're able to just keep marching forward to see nations come to Christ. Uh, Today, I want to share with you if you'd open your Bibles to Mark 2, 1 through 12. I should say, open your Bibles or your devices. Um, So, when I was a freshman in college in in Indiana, um, I went to a small Christian liberal arts school studying ministry. And we had something called J-Term every year. J-Term, if you're not familiar with that, is a January term where you have one intensive class just the month of January. And what that equated to me in in college was we would study for a few hours and the rest of the time we were just having fun. And so I love J-Term. So my freshman year, I've only been there a semester, I'm trying to figure out who's my friends, who's not, who's gonna be the lifelong people that I'm gonna hang with. And so these two guys, we had a class together And we were in the oldest building on campus. Now, this building was well over 100 years old. It was three stories with an attic in it. And the attic was rumored that you could see the downtown skyline from it because it had some windows. So we had a bathroom break uh, during class. And one of my buddies said, hey, let's go up in the attic and see if we can see downtown. Now in my head it's an attic, you know it's got a floor, and you walk over to the window and woo, there's downtown. So I'm like I'm in. So there's three of us, me and two buddies. We walk up these these crickety stairs. I mean they, they were really they were sketchy. We walked up the stairs and we got to this top level and there was no floor. It was just rafters, and you had to go across the rafters over about eh, 75 feet to the window. Now. From birth, I've been a large child. Um, I've never been somebody that said was small, and I've never been one that was particularly agile. Um, so I led the way, of course. Um, and so I'm walking over gingerly, rafter to rafter, and one of my buddies said something from behind. behind. He said, hey, and I look back, and when I look back, my foot missed the next rafter. Now remember, it's J-term. There's classes going on below us. So I, my whole body goes, I'm going down. Like I'm going all the way in. I catch the two rafters next to me. So I'm holding on. But uh, from about my knees down, I'm in the classroom below. <laughs> you know, there's, I can't imagine if you were sitting there and you see the legs up from the ceiling. So my two buddies are with me, right? I'm holding on for dear life, praying, Lord, don't let me go through this roof. I look back, one buddy's gone. He just took off. He was like, I'm out of here. But the other buddy, who's still a buddy of mine today, um, he came over and he said, hey, don't worry, I got you. He grabbed me from my, my, under my arms and pulled me up, and then we got out of there because we didn't want, want anybody to know. To this day, I'm sure that class below is talking about the time they were in class and these two legs <laughs> came through. But we all need friends like that guy, friends that when we're, we're, we're in it, like when we don't know what's gonna happen, we're just holding on. They'll come alongside us and just go, I'm here, I got you. And that was my friend. Today, this scripture that we're gonna read is a lot like that. So if you have your devices or Bibles open, this is what Mark 2 says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get get them to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. And then they lowered them on a mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to to forgive sins. So he said to him, said to that man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat. And he walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. Father, today, we thank you for your word. God, may it penetrate our hearts. We thank you for your power. God, may it change our lives. And God, we, may we just walk out of here knowing that, Lord, you moved this morning and we heard from you. We thank you for, for that, Jesus. Amen. Three takeaways I want us to look at this morning from this scripture the first is this, we all need friends like that. We all need friends like that and we all need to be friends like that. Just like my buddy that came in and scooped me up. You see, these, these were friends. They had known this man since he was young. They had seen him laying every day on a mat. If you can imagine being that, that man, every morning someone had to take him from bed and put him on the mat. At night had to put him back on, in the bed. Every day that went on for his life, but these are his friends and they heard about Jesus. They saw what Jesus had done and they thought, man, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, somehow his life can be changed. It's powerful what they did because they went in and they took their friend. And the Bible says they carried him and they were walking in. And you could imagine as they walked up to that house, these, these friends are like, we got to get him to Jesus. And what I love about the friends is they didn't try to change him. They didn't try to say, hey, we're going to fix you before we get you to Jesus. They took him how he was. They just wanted to get him to Jesus. They cared about him. And so they're going in, and the house, the Bible says, is locked, or blocked because there's so many people there. And I can imagine them kind of scooting in, excuse me, excuse me, people aren't moving. And then there's that one friend. We all have that one friend that's got kind of that crazy mind. And like, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> you always have an idea. And they're like, let's go to the roof. Now, there's some problems here. How do you get up to the roof, first of all? How do you get a man that's paralyzed on a mat up to the roof? That's another problem. And then there's the roof. That's a problem. But somehow they get them all up there, and they start tearing through the roof. Now, that's that's crazy friends right there because they're willing to go after it for their friend. And finally, it says that they lowered him down. And what I like about the, the friends here and what challenges me, and Jesus says it, as he says, Jesus said, he saw their what? Their faith. Not the man that was paralyzed faith. He was one of them. But he saw their faith, the friend's faith. I want friends like that in my life. And I pray that I can be a friend like that. That sees my, pe- my, my friends, my people, that, and go, I'll do anything. I'll have the faith to move mountains just to get them to Jesus. A good friend of mine who served with us in Haiti uh, named Brett, is one of those guys he's a fireman and he's just a, a, a man's man but loves jesus electrician and his whole life he's followed jesus but his dad hasn't he prayed for him every day I, I mean every time it was heavy on brett that his dad didn't know jesus he never tried to change his dad he just loved his dad and just about a month ago after years of years of brett finding every way he could to get his dad to to see jesus his dad had an experience where he confessed and came to know Christ because Brett never gave up. Brett didn't try to fix it. He just tried to get him to Jesus. And when he got him to Jesus and his dad was ready, God moved in his heart, and now he's a, he's a believer. My challenge to you today and to me is who do you know that's in your life that you just got to fight for? Who is it that God wants you to believe in but everybody else has given up on? Because this, this man, everybody had given up on him. He was that way since birth. He wasn't going to change. They walked by him every day. But his friends, his friends believed, and Jesus saw their faith. And they ripped that roof off and lowered him down. So the first thing is we all need to be friends like that, and we all need friends like that. The second thing is Jesus saw or sees the big picture. I love this. Now, we've seen the guys, and they're up on the roof. We've seen that story. But let's think about Jesus. Jesus is teaching. He's preaching. He's got people around him. He's in the middle of a point, and all of a sudden he starts hearing commotion on the roof. And then straw and clay starts falling on Jesus' head. And then there's a man with ropes being lowered down in the middle of his teaching session. Now, this is where Jesus and I are a ton different, because I would have been like, hey, what's going on? I'm in the middle of a point. I'm trying to teach here. But what Jesus said struck me. It's one of the most powerful things I honestly, I've read for a long time. Jesus looks at the man, and what's the first thing he says? He says, son. That's powerful. He's never met this man before on earth. He's lowered down, and Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, you're part of my family. And then he goes, I see that you're paralyzed, but I'm going to go to your greatest need. Your sins are forgiven. He went to his soul. Because the soul's eternal, the body's temporal. Jesus saw the big picture. When I've when been in Haiti for three months, Vanessa and I had, I was called to go to an orphanage. And this is the only way I can really relate to this story. It's just a, a sliver of what Jesus was doing here. But I walked into this orphanage. We didn't have any children. And on the floor over here, out of 60 kids, there was one little boy, no pants, had a half shirt on. His belly was. Uh, Bulging out, bloated from worms and red hair. And I looked at him, and the Lord whispered to me and said, This is your son. I'll never forget that. Uh, It rocked me to my core because I'm like, I'm not ready to be a dad, Lord. This is your son. And what I realized in that moment is once I knew that he was my son, I didn't see his bloated belly, I didn't see his red hair. I saw promise. I saw what he could be, not what he was. And that's what we see in this scripture here, is Jesus looks at this man and he says, son, I see you for what I created you to be, not for what you are right now. That's powerful. The third thing is this. Four radical friends that had faith plus Jesus equaled an opportunity for life transformation. And I I say opportunity because realize what Jesus said to the man. So now you have you have the four friends that have lowered him, Jesus there, and now you have the man laying there. It wasn't just enough for the man to be lowered down. It wasn't just enough for his friends, but Jesus says to the man, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Can you imagine all the people that are sitting there watching all this take place? They're like, oh, this is gonna be good. I'm gonna see what Jesus is gonna do right now with somebody getting lowered down. He says, get up. Can you imagine when the guy got up? They knew this guy. They had seen him. He gets up. And they're like, oh, he just stood up. Jesus said, pick up your mat. So the very thing that held him down, that held him for years, he picks up and is now carrying. And then Jesus says, walk. Oh, if you could be in that crowd to see that man walk out of there. The mat that they knew, because he was always on it. He's walking out, and then, can you imagine the neighborhood where he grew up when he's walking home? Because Jesus told him to go home. So he goes home carrying that mat, and he's walking through, and they're like, hold on. That's the guy that is always on the mat that can't walk. How did that happen? But it happened because there was four friends that had faith to get him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, son, I see you for what I created you to be. And we see this miracle it's a powerful thing. And one of the things that I love about working in Haiti is that over the years, we've seen God do powerful things just like this from people that took a heart. I mean, many of you have been to Haiti, and you are friends of Haitians. You've been that friend that said, no, not on my watch. I'm going to take care of Matla, which is y'all's village. There's one young man. He grew up in our church. When Vanessa and I led the church there in Haiti, his parents started coming they had never been accepted by any church. Uh, his dad had a cleft palate at birth, never fixed, so he couldn't speak well. And they were faithful to come, but they always brought this little boy along. He never had opportunity until he was older in life to go to school, but he had a desire to go. And some people that were his friends sponsored him. And because they sponsored him, he went to school. And because he went to school, he graduated. when he graduated, he's leaving a legacy of change. Because there's four people or there's one person that decided to sponsor him, Jesus encountered him and his life is forever changed. I want you to see a video of a man, young man named Hebrew.
1: My father always said the best soldier is the one who gets up and keeps fighting. I have had to fight for a better life. When I was young, my father was very, very old, and my mom was sick. I had to stop going to school after kindergarten because my family could not afford it. I had no way to get an education. When I was 13, a sponsor made it possible for me to go to school again. At the Mission of Hope School, I was provided with an education and food every day. Because I had missed so much school, I started second grade when I was 13. When I Back to school, I stopped in this class. The students made fun of me because I was so old. I was encouraged to learn that Toussaint Louverture, the leader of the Haitian Revolution, was educated in his late 40s. So you are never too old. I wanted to give up, but the, the teachers encouraged me, don't give up. At the age of 27, I finally made it. It was a great day for me, <laughs> and the first person in my family ever uh, to graduate. It was good for me. <laughs> now, I am an education champion and mission of hope. Bonjourne! class. Part of my job is to visit the partner schools. I help sponsors and students communicate with each other. I know from personal experience how special this is for students. I also bring gifts and take photos of the kids to send to their sponsors. As I look at the kids we are helping, I am reminded of the impact that Mission of Hope has had in my life. I pray that even more children can get an education and live out their dreams, just like me. So many people have helped me over the years. My parents helped me, my sponsor, my teachers, and God. God is all I have. I have all I need. (laughs) I have learned that God has a purpose for my life and to never give up.
2: watched that video multiple times, and it just is really hard to follow. I said that earlier this service. I thought the second time's going to be easier, but mm. <laughs> it's just not because there are so many Hebrews in Haiti. There are so many little boys and girls that are just needing an opportunity. Like Brad said, um, they need a friend. They need someone that believes in them and is willing to hold them up and carry them along and take them to Jesus and give them that opportunity. And I'm so grateful. We are so grateful for many of you that do sponsor a child in Haiti. uh, There are a lot of children in our school system, but there are 7,000, over 7,000 on a waiting list. And uh, I had the opportunity to see Hebrew last week when I was in Haiti and just to see the life transformation for him but then generations, because his little boy's in our preschool. And he came running up to me as if we had been buddies forever, uh, but he just has so much joy, and he's never going to know what it means to have to fight like his dad did, because he has a friend, and his friends have friends. But to have over 7,000 kids just waiting, um, we need help. We need to be able to find partners that are willing to uh, help us out with these kiddos. And education changes a child's life. And not only does Mission of Hope offer an a excellent education, but it's a Christ-centered education. So when Brad talks about needing a friend and that friend taking these kids to Jesus, when they come to our school, they see Jesus. They may not know Jesus at home, but there's no doubt that Jesus is part of their education, and they know him, and just to have that opportunity, and so today we have brought, well, we, I, we haven't actually brought the children with us, but we have, we brought the little profiles that has a picture of students, uh, students from Susmatla, and that's the area that y- this church has decided to focus on, and it's just amazing. Uh, this little girl, Mackenda, wants to be a teacher so automatically I always look for the little ones that want to be teachers because I was a teacher and um, just to have that desire to be a teacher but there are many on our list that want to be agronomists or nurses or doctors um, pastors police officers there's a cook out there a, a driver which I'm not sure is a great idea but maybe a good one would be helpful in Haiti it's terrifying to drive in Haiti. But we have very safe drivers. So <laughs> um, but they just, they just want that opportunity and need to know that there's hope for their future. And, uh, you know, I looked at that picture of Hebrew and his mom, and I just thought that mom would do anything for her son. And as I said, th- just as there's thousands of Hebrews, there's thousands of mamas that just have hope for their kids that they would have an education, that they would know Jesus and have the opportunity to do more for themselves, for their generations, and for their country. Um, I do. We do want to thank you so much for sponsoring kids, but we need more. And I know there were several that went away uh, out at the table outside, but there's still several that are out there. And if we get rid of all of them, including Mackenda today, there's over 7,000 that still need help. So would you please prayerfully consider how you could partner with us. If you already do sponsor one, maybe you could do another. We would love to have you be a part of our sponsorship program, and we're just so grateful for you. Thank you.